0: Well, hello there, music teacher friends. Welcome to episode 101 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, and I hang out here as your anytime piano teacher friend because we all know we could use more studio teacher friends to validate our experiences, right? (laughs) I'm right here with you. And while I'm thinking about it, the day that this podcast launches is the first day of Studio Teacher Thanksgiving, which is a little, I don't know, immersive email event that I am hosting, and I am going to drop some details in the show notes for this episode if you would like to jump in. It's not too late, but it's happening this week, friends. (laughs) All right, today's episode is a bit of a doozy because we are going to talk about everyone's favorite thing making mistakes. <laughs> I'm kidding about that, but we are going to talk about making mistakes and why we need to embrace them for the learning opportunities they are. Now, I am far from the only person who talks about this concept on the internet. <laughs> But I do think it's one of those lessons that we need to hear as educators as often as possible. And I should say this before we get started, that I am using that word, mistake, a lot in this episode. And I'm assuming that I am not alone in treading lightly with my use of that word when I'm working with students. The very idea of calling anything we do musically a mistake kind of makes my skin crawl because it leaves me feeling like I'm feeding that culture of music study that can just suck the creative life force out of everything we do. And if you've been around here for any amount of time, you already know that I am not interested in doing that. However, There is this thing called the human condition, and since people are our job, we are going to find ourselves dealing with these, quote, mistakes from our students and, of course, also from ourselves. So here's a true story from behind the scenes over here. (laughs) as I wrote this episode, I became more and more bothered by my own use of the word mistake. So I kept thinking, surely there is a better way to frame this word. The thesaurus didn't really help me. And honestly, the dictionary kind of just confused me further (laughs) because I looked up the definition of mistake to see if I was even using the word correctly anymore. (laughs) So, Merriam-Webster helped me confirm that, essentially, the term mistake is defined as wrong judgment, or a wrong understanding, or a wrong action. (laughs) Wrong judgment, wrong understanding, and wrong action. See, there's this very black and white divide that is implied when we look at the actual definition of the word, mistake. And yet, when I think about a lot of the things we call mistakes experienced in a music lesson, they are not always as clearly wrong as the definition would imply. I mean, sure, we have things like incorrect notes. Those are wrong actions. So those are indeed mistakes. If I get ahead of myself as the teacher and I start introducing ideas outside of a logical sequence, well, that could prove to be wrong judgment. And that would be, according to Merriam Webster, a mistake. But you and I both know that there are all kinds of things in a lesson that get called mistakes when really they are just simply words or actions that did not bring about the intended result. Right? (laughs) I mean, I like that definition much better. But I'm sorry, I am not going to add 10 minutes of airtime to this episode just to constantly refer to words or actions that did not bring about the intended result. (laughs) So for now, we're going to stick with the term mistakes. All right, friends, just go with it. (laughs) Okay, anyway, let's talk about a fundamental truth of mistakes today, shall we? Listen, mistakes teach us things that successes don't. This is a tough one, but it's true. I want you to think about something that you consider in your own life to be one of your greatest professional successes. (laughs) Just for an example, we're all musicians here, so think about your performance history. Do you have, like, one performance, whatever the venue or the situation was, but one performance that felt really successful, something that you're really proud of? I'm extremely critical of anything I put on the performance stage, but even I can pinpoint a few performances that gave me a real high and made me feel on top of my game. If a performance doesn't come to mind for you, maybe think about a speech you gave, or a paper you'd written, or a student who really flourished under your instruction. Maybe it was a time you received some really positive acknowledgement, or I don't know, whatever the case is, just think of a time that you felt successful. Got it? (laughs) I know that can be a hard one. Okay, Now, I want you to think of a time that you were not successful in a professional endeavor. Think of a time you had a performance go off track. Think of a time you did not communicate your ideas clearly. Think of a time you felt embarrassed in front of your colleagues. (laughs) Whatever. If you're anything like me, it's a lot easier to name something from that list than it was the first one. Even if it's uncomfortable to think about it, Just let the record show I have a million examples on this list. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you have these two instances in your mind. A time you felt successful and a time you felt, well, not. (laughs) We'll classify the second as some kind of mistake, right? A time your words or actions did not bring about the intended result. And here's the million-dollar question, friends. (laughs) Which of those circumstances taught you more? Now, I can't read your mind, but I believe in the vast majority of cases, you were able to take away a solid lesson learned from your mistake scenario (laughs) more so than the successful one. It's not that we don't learn from our successes. I sure hope we do. But in reflecting on my own successful endeavors, I come up with lessons learned like hard work pays off and treat others how you want to be treated. And both of those things are very important, but that's just about it for the lessons I feel like I can name from my successes. On the other hand, ask me the lessons I've learned from performances that went sideways or speaking engagements that left me feeling, like, humiliated. (laughs) Oh, friends, I can tell you a million lessons I have learned from those instances. Now, do I like talking about those times? (laughs) No way. (laughs) In fact, I have a pretty strong defense mechanism that kicks in and really likes to bury any feeling of embarrassment the instant it occurs. But, as so many of us have learned from the queen herself, Brene Brown, <laughs> shame cannot survive being spoken about. Shame can't survive when it's brought out into the open. So I do try to make myself unearth those feelings and embrace them for the learning opportunities they are. My own children have a rule. Anytime they receive any correction or disciplinary action, we try to immediately follow it up with this question. What have you learned from this? (laughs) They know that we're not actually upset when their teachers have to correct their behavior at school, as long as they can report what they learned from that situation. And it's the same with grades. If they bring home a low score on a test, it's a chance to figure out how to solve that problem. As long as we figure out the solution, it's a victory, right? Think about it. Let's say you were back in school and you had to take a test and you bring home A after A after A and someone asks you, hey, what is there to learn now? You're probably going to struggle to come up with an answer. On the flip side, if you bring home a lower score on your pop quiz and someone asks you what you need to learn now, you probably have a very clear idea based on your quote mistakes. How much richer would our lives be if we just gave ourselves the permission to turn mistakes into learning opportunities? If next time we felt criticized or corrected, what if we skipped the part where we became passive-aggressive or reactive in another way? What if we skipped the part where our feelings were hurt and we jumped to conclusions that actually had very little to do with the situation at hand? (laughs) What if we just took a deep breath and asked ourselves if there was anything to be learned from the situation? Maybe we would figure out an aspect of our communication that could actually use some improvement. Or maybe we'll learn that we did cut our preparations too close to deadline. And holy moly, let's stop thinking about ourselves for a second. What about our students? These human beings that come to us at a variety of ages and stages in life— What a powerful way for us to impact their lives by helping them practice reframing their mistakes as something to learn from rather than to hide from or feel shame about. I know that we all have those perfectionist type students. (laughs) I mean, many of us were those students, you know, those students whose primary goal in making music appears to be to make no mistakes. I'm quite sure that we can all agree that there are so many more things I want my students to learn at their instrument than how to avoid mistakes. This concept has very simple and also very complex applications. Let's look at something simple. Something we all deal with is helping our students learn from the mistakes they make in practice. For example. I often have students who will make fingering mistakes in their scales, and they immediately stop mid scale and then they begin the scale again. And as you already know, most of the time they will keep repeating those mistakes until one of us will finally take the time to diagnose the problem. We need to help our students learn to assess what is getting in their way as quickly as possible. So, in this scenario, That means rather than repeating the scale multiple times with the same problem, they should not begin to play the scale again until they can identify where they went asunder. And hear me, I meant what I said. (laughs) They need to identify it. If I stop them after their incorrect finger choice and say, hey, wait, that should have been finger four, not finger three, I am not helping them achieve much of anything. They are not learning from their mistake. They are learning that their teacher is there to tell them when they are right and when they are wrong. (laughs) Big thumbs down to that one, friends. (laughs) Instead, if they learn that their teacher is going to prompt them to decipher where or why a mistake occurred, a.k.a. turning their error into a learning opportunity, (laughs) Well, friends, that is a role I am happy to play. One quick note of experience on this one for you. Nine times out of 10, if you ask a student, do you know where the problem was in that scale (laughs) or passage or etude or whatever, they're probably going to say yes. You need to make them name it because probably seven out of the 10 times, they don't actually know. Even the most honest students will be tempted to claim that they know where the error was, even if they don't. That's just another reality of the human condition. And so, I leave you today with this idea to do everything in your power to change the way you and your students look at mistakes. When something turns out differently than you intended— ask yourself, what can you learn from this? Maybe it's just a total fluke of the universe and there's nothing to be learned, but I kind of doubt it. (laughs) I love this mindset shift for myself and helping my students understand it makes me feel good about the life skills that they are learning here in my studio. And on that note, it's time again, friends. Let us raise our glasses, whether that be fictitious or otherwise, in a toast to one another. Music teacher friends from all over the world, we all have a closet full of professional skeletons. We all have work-related embarrassments and failed attempts that we sometimes wish we could erase from our existence. But there is great power in acknowledging the lessons that we learned from those experiences and seeing how they have brought us to the place we are in today the shame and the guilt that I am prone to carrying from those experiences are feelings that I want to help my students deal with in a much more productive way. (laughs) We all know there is a lengthy list of life skills and health bonuses that come with studying an instrument. And I've hoped that I've inspired you today to include the importance of reframing mistakes as learning experiences on that list. We serve a big role as educators, friends. So let's go out and own the lessons that we have learned from our own mistakes. Modeling that quality for our students is one of the best things we can do. So with that, I say cheers to you, my most influential teacher friends, Here, here. And just like that, there's episode 101, friends. Thanks, as always, for joining me today. If our time together makes your life better, I encourage you to help share the love for the Beyond Measure podcast by sharing episodes with your own teacher friends, whether that's in real life or online. You can also sign up for my email list and or Patreon community. Details for those things and more are available in the show notes for today's episode the day this episode releases, again, also happens to be the first day of Studio Teacher Thanksgiving. If you'd like more information on that, again, check the show notes. It's only just getting started today, yet I am having the best time ever. (laughs) Alright, until next week, onward and upward to learning more from all the things that life has to offer, my friends. (laughs) Let's talk soon.